following program is sponsored by the National Prayer Chapel. There is a hard, unyielding self in each one of us that must be subdued by the blood of Jesus. This hard, unyielding self stands up for itself and resists others. Now this 
hardness must be broken if we are going to have the disposition of Jesus Christ. Every sin that we've ever committed is a result of that hard, unbroken self taking up some attitude of pride. And we're not going to find peace, and we're not going to find the baptism of the Holy Spirit until that attitude of pride is broken, until we repent, and repent very specifically. Welcome to Pilgrim's Progress. I'm Ray Greenley, pastor of the National Prayer Chapel. Today is an offertory day. Our goal is $1,865. I'm going to be sharing with you some insights on the Argentine Revival. And I invite you to call in as I share these insights. I'm going to be speaking about R. Miller Edwards, this man who finally came to an end of himself and began to cry out to God for the baptism of the Holy Spirit. Now stay tuned because toward the end of the broadcast, I'm going to share some very important information with you, an opportunity that you have to join with others and wait upon the Holy Spirit for the baptism of power. Our goal is 1,865. I have been much in prayer. I'm asking for that miracle today of this bill, the remaining part of it for WAVA, for this broadcast for the month of January would be totally covered. I don't have a means of covering it, but I come asking not for myself, but for the work of the gospel. Would you call right now, 877-534-0780? and speak with Brother Kevin, who will answer the phone. He doesn't need your name, your address, or your phone number. All he needs to know is the amount God is prompting you to give to help cover the cost of this radio broadcast. I know God has called me to be on again next month. It is by faith, month by month. And right now we are still short for the month of January, $1,865. Would you call right now? 877-534-0780. And I want to share with you the very beginning of the Argentine revival. Now, I'm here to tell you that God is the same yesterday, today, and forever. And he's calling for the same beginning of revival in Washington, D.C. And it's not going to be brought by human ingenuity or ability or flesh. It will be brought by the Holy Spirit as men and women are willing to humble their hearts before God and be broken 
Are you willing? And are you willing to pour out your resources to help cover the cost of a radio broadcast that gives the unvarnished truth and calls you to walk clean before God and calls you to prepare your heart for revival? Could we have the first caller? 877-534-0780. And if there are no calls, we'll simply put music on because I cannot teach until this bill is covered. So let me share the beginning of the Argentine revival back in 1949. Dr. Miller writes... Edwards writes, I came to the end of the road, to Laval, a village nestled in the foothills of the great Andes Mountain. I went with missionary Robert Thomas and a gospel tent. Our purpose was to hold a gospel campaign in a town where, to our knowledge, the gospel had never been preached before. We labored in the hot Andean sun, filling the air with recorded music visiting every home in the community, distributing tracts and gospel portions. We prayed and prepared the messages, yet night after night, no one came. Then came a torrential rain that flooded us out. Still we kept on. But in spite of all of our efforts, witnessing, testifying, preaching, we still had no congregation. The strong man still ruled over the small city. And after two weeks of expense and labors, we were forced to retreat in keen disappointment with absolutely no visible returns. For me, that defeat marked the end of a long trail and the beginning of a new one. Our phone number is 877 534 0780. This is an offertory day. I ask, would you please respond and quickly? Our goal is $1,865. Would you help me? Eight seven seven. Five three four zero seven eight zero. There's always been plausible excuses for the lack of harvest and the want of results in my ministry. As a child, I had often witnessed mighty outpourings of God under the ministry of servants of God like Dr. Charles Price and Amy McPherson. Yet I knew these operations were lacking in my own ministry. Still excuses, convenient places to lay the blame, provided for me imaginary refuge from the searching light of God's truth. Always the reason for my failure lay somewhere outside of myself. In one place the people were too hard, in another it was not harvest time yet, or it was necessary to sow the seed first, or the people had no faith from one pastorate to another, from one mission field to another, 
the excuses multiplied. True, a certain work for God had been done. In the eyes of man, there was no need to feel ashamed. But in my own secret heart, I knew there was a better way. The ever-faithful Spirit of God did not let complacency hinder his purposes. Times without number, the question of Elisha echoed in my soul, Where is the Lord God of Elijah? Now in Laval, a town which had never heard the gospel before, was neither gospel-hardened nor burned over territory, and I was faced with the stark reality. I had been defeated. With every condition favorable, missionary equipment complete, a competent missionary evangelist who was a companion, I had still failed utterly. I was forced to admit that in spite of excellent ministerial training and the baptism of the Holy Spirit received as a child, there was still an obvious and deadly lack of power in my ministry. The long road of excuses was over. My fleeing ended. God caused me to take inventory of myself, and the result was disillusioning. Bitterly defeated, all defenses overthrown. I was brought by God into a conference of surrender. Not by might, not by power, but by my spirit, God was saying. Challenging for the surrender of both flesh and works of the flesh. Good as flesh works were, they were unacceptable. God was offering a new way, a way of power, an operation of the Holy Spirit himself released in the ministry of deliverance. There is a path which no fool knoweth, and which the vulture's eye hath not seen, and the lion's whelps have not trodden, nor the fierce lion pass by. The terms of God for surrender were that I should spend a minimum of eight consecutive hours daily with him in prayer and his word. If a man could work eight hours a day, a minister could pray as long. Sometimes I remained much longer than the eight hours, at times all day and night. Some openly expressed their disapproval, questioning my sanity, concluding that no one had a right to receive a missionary salary who spent most of his time in prayer and not in traditional missionary activities. Yet I knew that I could not go one step more fooling myself and fleeing from God. I had to accept his challenge. This is an offertory day, and no calls have come in yet. I'm standing by faith that God is moving in your heart, and I'm going to wait for that call, or those calls, saying, yes, pastor, God wants revival in this city, and I've heard your cry, and I'm going to help. We're short $1,865. Would you help? The offering plate is being passed to you right now. 
0780. Mr. Producer, are there any calls yet? All right, no calls yet, so I'm going to stop sharing and we're just going to play some music and wait on you to call. I know God is prompting you. Let's play some music.
Lord, I ask a blessing for the listener who just pledged a hundred dollars. Lord, thank you. I ask your blessing on them. And I ask you to move in the hearts of many others to do the same. For Lord, you have ordered this broadcast. And we come in obedience to you and give as you called us to. To share in this glorious work of revival. Lord, thank you. I pray in your name. Amen. So our goal right now is $1,765. $1,765. Would you call now? 877-534-0780. This is Pilgrim's Progress. I'm Pastor Ray Greenlee. Would you call quickly? I want to share more of of Dr. Miller's writing, uh, R. Miller Edwards' writing. When he came to the total end of himself and had totally given up on any hope of himself in ministry, that's when he began to pray. And by the way, that's where I am with this radio broadcast. I am at the total end of all human ability. Only God can bring revival to this city. And I'm spending many hours every day waiting on him and trusting him. And only God can bring the finances for this radio broadcast. As you respond with a softened heart and say, yes, this is vital for this city. I'll wait for your call. 877-534-0780. And I'll read just a bit more. In a little vacant attic room over the garage of the Adobe Church in Mendoza, Argentina, where I was interim pastor at the time, I began to seek the Lord. I just had to find God's answers for revival and the moving of His Spirit in Argentina. For a divine intervention such as spoken of in the book of Acts, for an operation according to His abilities and not according to mine, was it merely wishful thinking? Was it possible for an ordinary man without any other qualification than a call to ministry to meet God in such a way that it would bring tangible results and visible fruit? Did God challenge men? Could man accept such a challenge? Could time accept the challenge of eternity? Were all the mighty saints and prophets of history special sovereign creations of God, or were they just ordinary men and women who accepted the challenge of God? Was there a way? Could man have a direct encounter with God? If not, at the end of that road of no return, if there were no answers, there loomed ahead of me an abysmal disorientation with shattered dreams and illusions long held in sacred trust. So often in the scriptures, God says to man, Seek my face. 
but he never tells us how it's to be done. Was seeking God the prerogative of a select few, a limited group of mystics by birth who could climb high on a prophet's mountain? Many unanswered questions led me to one main question. Could a most ordinary man, with but the most ordinary talent and preparation, without any special gifts or genius, could he find God? Was therefore such a one a vital contact, a personal encounter with the Lord of glory, a careful search of the scriptures from Abraham to Nehemiah, from Elijah to Peter, seemed to clearly indicate, yes. Being practical by nature, more at home in the shop and field than at a desk or in a prophet's chamber, I had to find an answer that was at the same time both spiritual and practical. Doubts, questions, fears marked the passing of long hours. Where was God? The walls echoed back the barren question. Turmoil wrestled within. Was such a demand on God's human impertinence? Ahead loomed an apparently dead-end street. A defeat threatened. So final and so abysmal that the fear of it became a strong motive to forge on. Days of fasting, still there was no answer. Endless hours passed, still no windows were opened in heaven. Weeping, waiting, meditating, searching the word, walking, kneeling, standing, and again prostrate on the floor. Silence! No posture, no fasting, no tears, no cries could pierce this silent, invisible barrier which so oppressively closed in upon my being. The day slowly passed, lengthening into weeks. This is an offertory day. I'm Pastor Ray Greenlee. You're listening to Pilgrim's Progress, and I need your help. I'm going to stop. I want to share this. There's so much I want to share with you. But I'm going to stop. We've had one call in the last piece of music, and no calls have come in since. We're still short $1,765. Would someone give $1,000 and quickly help us reach this goal? Would someone help us get this goal finished so that we can quickly talk about and pray about revival in Washington and deal with the real issues of our heart? I'm just feeling impressed that someone is willing to give $1,000. If you're that person, would you call right now? 877-534-0780. Let's listen as we play another piece of music. What can wash away my sin? Can make me pure again. Nothing but the blood of Jesus. Oh, pray. 
precious is the flow that makes me white as snow. No other fount I know, nothing but the blood of Jesus. There is a fountain filled with blood drawn from Emmanuel's veins and sinners plunged beneath that flood those all the guilty stains those all the guilty stains lose all the There's wonderful power in the blood. There is power, power, wonder-working power in the blood of the Lamb. There is power, power, wonder-working power in the precious blood of the Lamb. Would you be whiter, much whiter than snow? There's power in the blood. There's wonderful power in the blood. There is power, power, wonder-working power in the blood of the Lamb. There is power, power, wonder-working power in the precious blood of the dear pastor who is deeply involved in the work of redemption has just given an offering of $1,000. Brings tears to my eyes. I'm so grateful that God is hearing and moving. That means we're now $765 short. Could we get this cleaned up? Is God moving in your heart to give that 765 or to give a series of you to give five, ten, a hundred dollars? 
$765 we lack. Now, please, I'm going to take just a moment to pray for this pastor. Lord, this precious pastor who has just given an offering of $1,000, she she needs your presence and your help also in her ministry and in her radio ministry. Lord, I'm asking you to open the windows of heaven for this dear saint. I'm asking, Lord, in the name of Jesus, as a prayer of faith, that every demonic attack against her is broken now in the name of Jesus. We refuse his attack. We will not have it. We are servants of Jesus. Lord, I stand by faith for this dear pastor and her full deliverance in the growing of what you've called her to as she is so involved in the redemption of the lost and the poor. Lord, thank you. Would you bless her today with your joy and your peace and your absolute deliverance. In the name of Jesus, I pray. Amen. And pastor, I have been praying for you and I'll continue. Please pray for me as well. We are now $765 short. Would you call quickly, 877-534-0780? 877-534-0780. We started with 1940 that we needed. We're down now to 765 that we need. Will you help? God bless you as you give. Now I'm going to go back. I'm going to go back to the reading. And if no one calls, Brother Producer, I'm sorry I led you the wrong direction. Bring that piece of music. But not yet. There's so much I want to say to you today about this work of revival that God is calling for in this city. Pastor Edward said, God was in no hurry to uncover the secrets of his mysteries. He who had so carefully hidden the diamonds deeply in the earth for only the most diligent of seekers to find did not hurry to reveal his hiding place to the one who aspired to visit his treasury. The seeking and digging they were necessary. Two months passed, an eternity fitted into time. Not a breeze stirred in the spiritual world, not even a tiny cloud the size of a man's hand appeared. Then the enemy brought an almost successful attempt to halt, to halt the search. Set God a date. Surely by now you know you're mistaken. There's no use going on indefinitely. I set a date. God, if by the end of this week, Saturday evening at five o'clock, you don't manifest yourself, then I will know that I am mistaken, and I will go out with tracks returning to the conventional missionary routine. Surely God, knowing I was sincere, would be forced to move out of his hiding place. But still no breeze stirred. In infinite wisdom and patience, God held his peace, and the end of the week drew near. The five o'clock hour arrived, and still God had done nothing. 
with unutterable bitterness of soul, with tears of frustration and defeat welling up from the depths within, I filled my pocket with tracks and slowly walked down the long hall which led to the street. God had not answered. At that moment, in God's precise timing, a local pastor arrived with his teenage unconverted son. During the visit, the pastor poured out his troubles at great length. Minutes became hours. It was impossible to do the proposed house-to-house -house visitation and tract distribution. As the two visitors prepared to leave, I asked the boy a searching question. One word led to another until the young boy was on his face, sobbing his way to Calvary's fountain. The two finally left, and in the darkness of the hall, with the door behind them scarcely closed, a voice said, You see, son, when I wish I can bring them in, now return to prayer until I tell you it's time to leave. So back I went into that little attic room for more weeks of wrestling, prayer, and the Word. Months went by until time lost all of its meaning. Then one day, a day no different from all the others that had gone before, without any advance warning whatsoever, a word was spoken into the very air of that room, a word that vibrated into the depths and out again into the heights. Upon that word, the mighty presence of God came and filled the whole world, it seemed, in a voice that was fully audible. A special message was given. The separation veil was rent. The windows opened. Glory shone all around, and I was in spirit. God had come to just an ordinary man. He had come just to an ordinary man to bring forth his purpose, his will. His reality was manifested and his word vindicated. He had not said, Seek ye my face in vain. For weeks the heavens were opened, and in spirit I saw things unlawful to be uttered. Then a strange order was given, Go call the people to pray. I will pour out my spirit upon them. Tell them, Come, prepared to stay from eight until midnight. If they're not prepared to stay the entire four hours, they must not come at all. Could such an order be of the Lord? Just a while previously, a most convenient hour had been chosen for prayer meeting, and not one person had come. And now at the most inconvenient hour, who would be interested enough to come? Naaman had expected the prophet to at least strike his hand over the place of his affliction, anticipating a dramatic appearance of some kind, not a mere order to go wash seven times in the Jordan. I later discovered... That's not the order, but the one who gives it that makes all the difference. God's ways are not our ways. He gave this command, and he expected it to be obeyed literally. I must confess that I had many doubts. I knew my few church people, their lethargy, their lack of interest in the things of God. If there were any responses at all, I knew it would have to be God. God was beginning to teach us the importance of simple, simple obedience. In Eden, it was not the 
quantity of fruit consumed that brought such chaos. It was the quality of disobedience which revealed a deep rebellion to the rule of God and separated man from his God. Simple obedience is the only way that leads back into the presence of God and restores the right relationship with him. The invitation made to the little church group the following Sunday was most unusual and difficult to fulfill. Cold weather, unheated buildings, lack of transportation after midnight all combined to make it difficult to respond to such a call. Nevertheless, three indicated their willingness to attend the proposed prayer meeting. These three came, a timid young woman, a backslidden man, and his young wife. Not one of the three had ever seen anyone filled with the Holy Spirit. This small church and many like it in Argentina at that time had never experienced any manifestations of the Holy Spirit. They did not know how to receive the Holy Spirit nor what it would be like when he came. We spent some time the first night instructing them according to the scriptures. And then we all knelt before the Lord in prayer. They all waited in utter silence. Brother Kevin, have any more calls come in? So we're still short $765. Well, let's play some music and let's see what God wants to do in the hearts of his people.
sky Please help me to make a complete sacrifice I give up myself and would
Cast me not away from thy presence. Cast me not. 